Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. And uh, we're going to carry on doing uh, a study in Acts, the first few chapters of Acts this morning. Jerusalem was an interesting place at the uh, start of uh, the book that we've uh, been going through in Acts. It was a place that was occupied by a Roman army. It was a place that was the centre of religious worship for the Jewish people. It was a place where people had prayed for centuries that a Messiah would come. And it was a place that when the Messiah came, didn't recognise him. In fact, they so didn't recognise him that they actually ordered him to be murdered on a cross because they thought he was an, a usurper, an upstart, someone who was proclaiming to be a messiah but actually wasn't. This was a city in turmoil and as Jesus died and rose again a few weeks later as you've heard in a previous talk God sent the Holy Spirit part of the Trinity, part of God into Jerusalem, into people's lives. And there was a day when it was like all heaven broke out. People were overwhelmed by the presence of God in such a way that when people saw them, they thought they were drunk. Until Peter got up and said, it's nine o'clock in the morning. As I've said before, he obviously hasn't been to Manchester Airport at nine o'clock in the morning. (laughs) On the Ibiza flight. (laughs) Those guys have been there all night waiting for it. But this was Jerusalem, not Ibiza, Manchester. It wasn't that they were drunk, it was that God's presence had come in such a way that they were just overwhelmed. And people were so amazed that 3,000 people from all different nations who had come to celebrate Yahweh in the temple at Jerusalem gave their lives to this risen now Lord Jesus Christ. It was a memorial day, memorable day. And then it wasn't like it was all over then. Actually, it got more intense. A crippled man suddenly got healed that people had seen for decades begging on the streets before the temple. They'd passed him, they'd given money to him, and now he was singing, dancing, he was praising God. He was an he was a maniac for Jesus. Such a maniac for Jesus that loads more people thought if Jesus can do this for this man. We want to become Christians as well. Well, soldiers got nervous because this was out of order. (laughs) 
You know, people were not going in single file to the temple now. There were crowds in there. There was crowds pressing in. There was a lot of Halloween. <laughs> a lot of Halloween and Jesus is Lord and so much going on. And the temple officials were getting more and more aggravated. More and more nervous. And so they got two of the leaders arrested and gave them a real telling off and said don't preach and definitely don't heal the sick it causes problems be strange isn't it if that happened in Gorton don't heal the sick causes too many problems they said no we're going to keep going on and then they had this massive big give for the poor in the city and Barnabas gave a field, or part of a field, he was one of the leaders. Everybody kept giving stuff. And a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they came and said, we've just sold everything. Here's the for the poor. And Ananias was struck down dead in front of everybody. How can that happen? Well, you see, what had happened is, he had sold everything. But he hadn't given everything. <laughs> and the presence of God was so real and tangible that as he lied publicly in front of everybody else, boasting that he was really generous and he wasn't, he died. And then his wife came and said exactly the same thing and she died as well. Strange things are happening in this city because God was there. They wanted the presence of God. They wanted the poor to be lifted out of poverty. They wanted the sick to be healed. They wanted the crowds to worship Yahweh. They wanted a redeemer. It was all happening. But not as they thought. (laughs) And you know, when God moves, sometimes it isn't as we think. You know, it was getting more and more intense. Revival was hitting this global city transforming it from a city of oppression to a city of life. From a city of darkness to a city of light. You know, I want that for our city, don't you? I want to see our city, Manchester, transformed. People have been praying for centuries for England, for the UK. They've been praying for decades for Manchester for God to do something and you know there's been pockets of revival there's been pockets of the intensity of the presence of God we want more and more and we're going to look now at chapter 5 just picking up the story in verse 12 and uh, these two people had just died people were scared it says the apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders remember they've been told not to But they just couldn't help it because God was on the move. And there were signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared join them. Even though all the people had high regard for them. Well, I don't blame them, do you? (laughs) Because miracles were happening. People who were lying were dying. 
something extraordinary is happening. They could see the goodness and the mercy of God doing extraordinary things. And they could also see that this was a holy God. This was a holy moment. This was a time when you didn't mess about. You were either all in or you weren't there at all. This was a time when the temple guards were on the lookout. Soldiers were patrolling the streets for the people, the followers of the way. To arrest them, to see what they're doing. So, you can imagine, can't you? I want to be a Christian, but heck, I don't want that soldier to get me. I want to be a Christian, but hey, I want to make sure God is with me. God is for Can you sense this extraordinary moment? You see, it's the living God. It's the King of Kings. It's the maker of heaven and earth in the presence of his people. The one who created the stars of the sky and the earth and everything in it now was dwelling with his people. And it was a risky business. But it was an awesome business. It was a wholesome business. It was God on the move. We want God in our midst, don't we? We want to see people restored, forgiven, on fire with a living God. Illnesses. I had depression a few years ago that kept me off work for six months. It's a horrible thing. It's, it's affecting so many people in our society, especially since the COVID has hit and people have been isolated. We, we desperately need God, don't we, to come and help restore minds, relationships. And so, here... The apostles are doing amazing things. And then it says, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. You see, God was so real. Crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, six people were, sick people, did I say six people? (laughs) Sick people were brought into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow may fall across them as he went But I can imagine there's so much faith now, there's so much expectation that God is here. That Peter and John, some of the leaders who had been praying for the sick, as they went, you could see the shadow. They can't get near him, but they could put the body and the the sick person in in the shadow. And actually, suddenly they were springing, healed up. Isn't that amazing? He can't get him to touch them. He can't get near him because there's so many crowds. But if, just his shadow. Now there's nothing special about a shadow. <laughs> but there's such an expectation that the God of miracles, the God of heaven and earth wants to do something special. That if we get anywhere near, <laughs> anywhere near. And everybody was getting healed. Amazing, isn't it? Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all here. So can you get this picture of people a little bit nervous to join because of the, the persecution they may have? And the living God is here in awesome. And yet crowds were coming from all the villages because the poor and the needy needed Jesus. And you know... It's exactly the same today. Our city needs Jesus. Healing the sick, saving people. And so, revival is what 
I've been praying for, many people have been praying for, a, a revival in our city that transforms it. And I just want to look quickly at six things that come out of this story and the narrative that I've just said that actually was part of what the people of God were about that brought about this revival. And so, and just before I do that, just want to mention two or three revivals that have happened amongst millions and, uh, that happened. The Welsh revival, if you go around Wales you'll see little chapels that basically were built because God moved. It says this, just after 11 o'clock on Wednesday evening over a hundred years ago a solo voice rang out with a beautiful Welsh hymn. Here is love vast as the ocean. Maybe a thousand people were in the chapel at the time, leaning over the galleries, packing every pew and squeezing into every corner. They'd been here for more than four hours. It's a service of intense emotion. Meetings were taking place right across Wales, night after night, with fervent prayer and passionate singing, and similar disregard for the clock. They both excited and appalled, left many puzzled and some frightened. Sounds like the New Testament, doesn't it? But it was reckoned that in less than one year, over 150,000 people made a new commitment to Christ. In less than one year. Doesn't that sound like the New Testament? 3,000, 5,000, and then scores coming in the villages. In the Outer Hebrides, a hundred people were in a dance, this was in the last century, and they were not thinking about God or eternity. This was a, a, a group of people who were far from God. Suddenly the power of God fell upon the dance, the music ceased, and in a matter of minutes the hall was empty. They fled from the hall as a people fleeing from, uh, from a plague. It's like they had to get out of there. And they, they made in the latter part of the evening to the church. Not only that, men and women who had gone to bed, dressed and made for the church, it's suddenly that God woke them up from their slumber and they just had to get to the church. It was like something deep within them was moving them. A hunger and thirst gripped the people, 600 of them now at the church, just before midnight. And they've come from the disco, the dance, they've come from their beds. And it says this, that basically God poured out his spirit on that congregation and scores gave their life to Jesus. That wasn't that long ago. You know, when I was converted, I was a pagan, I was far from God, I didn't have a Christian upbringing, went to a church, a youth club, because they had no, it was kind of, it was irreligious, it wasn't a kind of, one day I got drunk, slept in the church hall floor, ended up in the church. <laughs> a few months later, got invited to a prayer meeting, which we turned into a card school, it's about the only thing we could do. That just shows the kind of, well, next day, next week, a guy turned up, someone spoke in tongues, never heard it, nobody else in the Methodist church, I think, had heard it. I was told that I, sh I sat on my seat in this living room and shook for half an hour. I didn't know I was shaking. 
just people just observed you know what I was entranced by the living God something of the presence and the power of God I didn't know anything about the gospel I didn't know what it was like to be a Christian I didn't know anything if someone said what is a Christian I would say it's somebody who's just encountered an almighty presence an almighty presence you know completely changed my life I'm preaching here years and years later because of what God did then so six things just quickly that uh, characterise this move of God and will characterise I believe our church today first one is just boldness it says that uh, in, in Acts 4.13, just before this story, as Peter and John, these two apostles, were being arrested by the, uh, the soldiers and stood and were told, you can't preach and you can't heal the sick, it says this, the members of the council were amazed that they, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see they were ordinary men with no special training. These were fishermen, these were rough and ready diamonds. And somehow... The power of God had so got hold of them that they became bold. They'd run away a few months earlier. It wasn't like uh, they were just naturally bold preachers. No, these guys had fled for their lives. <laughs> they denied even knowing Jesus. They were that scared. And yet, when God comes, the boldness was there. And... Um, you know, it's not just that the leaders were bold, but the people were bold. Can you imagine knowing that you could get arrested and still going up to the daily prayer meeting? Knowing that the soldiers were watching you, taking notes who you are. So that when there was a roundup of the believers, they would know, I saw you. <laughs> I saw you with Peter and John. They were told, no more preaching, no more healing the sick, and you were there and yet they still went <laughs> yet they still went day by day praying because God was so tangibly real in that city it was like they were com there was a compulsion to God wants us who are not naturally bold to ask God for his presence to make us bold you know, when Peter and John were told, don't preach, it wasn't that they just said, oh, forget it, we're going to do it. You know, they were scared. They thought, have we got the courage? And so they went back to a little prayer meeting in a house. And they said, please pray for boldness. And so they cried out, God, make us bold that we can go tomorrow to the temple court to pray again. And God gave them extraordinary boldness. I'm just encouraging you, if you're like me, timid, weak, feel like, I, I can't say boo to a goose, you know. That's an expression that was all understand. <laughs> I just, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe can make us bold. So that's the first thing. Great boldness. Second is this, as I've mentioned, prayer. Every day they went and prayed. You know, we are in a kind of church movement that started about 40 or 50 years ago. 
40 or 50 years ago, most people went to traditional churches. They didn't meet in community centres like this. And numbers of them felt led to pray for revival in our nation. And what happened was, God part answered that prayer. God poured his spirit out. It's called the charismatic movement. That's what I was converted in. And some of them felt like it's not working in the church here. Instead of starting a meeting in homes and community centres and warehouses and a move of God happened. You know, that was all on the back of praying that God would move in this nation. I believe this. That prayer was only partially hand. That we need to keep praying. That actually not only is there new churches and new things happening, but a transformation in society. A transformation in the city of Manchester. That's what we long for, isn't it? We long for God to move. And to pray is so important. And we saw that um, this church in Jerusalem was birthed in days of prayer. Evan Rogers Roberts, who was one of the leaders of the Welsh Revival, says this, Though he was an uneducated miner, he believed the book of Judges. It's an Old Testament book in the Bible. Uh, that God makes weak people strong, okay? When, the, when they cry out to him. He reflected later, For a long time I was much troubled in my soul and my heart by thinking over the failure of Christianity. Oh, it seems such a failure. And I prayed and prayed, but nothing seemed to give me relief. See, he was praying for the nation of Wales. And he was thinking, the church is not cutting it yet. There's so many people who are getting totally far away from God and so much going wrong in society. And he was feeling the pressure of this. God, do something. Revive your church. Revive the nation. And one day after I had been greatly distressed, he said, praying about this, I found myself with unspeakable joy and awe in the presence of Almighty God. I saw things in a different light. I knew God was going to work in the land and not in this land only, but in all the world. That one day of personal breakthrough, that one day of personal breakthrough for Evan Rogers resulted in a year of revival during which 100,000 Welsh people were converted. 100,000 Welsh people were converted. The great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was, for those who know their history, led a massive church in London for years, was part of those people being saved. Together they saw over one million converts across the rest of the United Kingdom, brought to birth in the, in the United States and in the UK through the Pentecost revival. One million, isn't that amazing? This guy praying his heart out, one man, and suddenly overwhelmed by God one night. Just takes one night for one person to meet God in such a way and a nation is transformed. One night for one person. It's amazing, isn't it? I was really encouraged the other day. I, every week I gather with a number of pastors in the city online every Friday morning. And there's an African guy there from Uganda and 
got to know him over these pandemics we've been doing it through the pandemic just to start to encourage and then pray and he said look let's gather for three days let's go away and let's pray let's pray for God to do something and you know, so in the, hopefully in the new year we're going to go away. But it just encourages me. There's a, there's a heart for prayer that God will do something in our city. Boldness, prayer, faith. You know, one of the great challenges in the UK society is cynicism. Do you not find it? Cynicism is absolutely rampant in our society. I've lived in the States for a couple of years. You don't find it so much there. There's different different demons there. (laughs) But in England, one of the biggest demons is cynicism. And it's like cynicism is the kind of opposite to faith. You can't be cynical and have faith. It's just like the complete opposite ends of the... And it's like... What, because it's such a national trait, it robs us of faith. It's like faith is in us like a sieve. Do you know, you get, you meet God, you're in the fellowship of people, you find God, and then suddenly, an hour later, you think, where's it gone? Have you felt like that? You know, full of faith. And it's like a sieve, it's gone through, and you know, it's things like cynicism just eat away at it. You suddenly think, oh, what Colin said. <laughs> Got it in faith an hour later. It's like robbed. <laughs> Do you know? Have you, have you been in like that? And so faith is a challenge for us in our nation. One of my great heroes of the Old Testament is a guy called Zerubbabel. I said this many times. I'd have loved to call one of my kids Zerubbabel. My wife said no chance. And my kids are very happy that my wife won the day, I'm sure. But Zerubbabel was a mighty leader of God. He led 42,000 people out of captivity, out of bondage, back to start building a city in Jerusalem and a temple. And after a few weeks and a few months, he gave up. Having done the big journey, he gave up because of the opposition, because of things against him. Years and years, you know what? He looked around Jerusalem to what hadn't been built. And like the faith he had to start with ebbed away. It says in the Bible that the heart, when the heart grows sick, <laughs> that's what, what happens. Faith goes away. Hope deferred, making the heart grow sick. And so what happens for Jerubbabel is this mighty leader of faith became, I don't know if he became a cynic. <laughs> if he was in England, he probably would. <laughs> But he definitely just lost the plot and basically felt like all I've worked for, all I've prayed for has not happened. And it's almost like as he looked at what wasn't there, it shouted to him, you are a failure, Zerubbabel. And then one day, a prophet called Zechariah came to him, eyeballed him. And he said this, this is what the Lord says to you, Zerubbabel. It's not by force, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of the heavens armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. I'm thinking, man, he's thinking, I can't even build a temple. Now, mind move a mountain. I'm a complete failure. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone in the temple place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. 
Blessed, you see what, what he's saying here is you started something, you lost faith for it, but I'm coming to you. God of heaven's armies coming to you. And what you started, you will complete. This building is a completion of what something started in Victoria and other people's hearts. You know, God wants to complete what he started. Those people who prayed for revival for our nation. God wants to complete it. God wants to put the capstone on it. And then another message came to me, that's Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, this is the one who laid this foundation of the temple, will complete it. Then you know the Lord of heaven armies has sent me. Do not despise the day of small things. Rejoice and begin to work. You see, he despised the little things that were happening. And God says, no, rejoice in it. Let your faith grow. I'm saying this because God wants to increase our faith. I remember preaching on this text in South Africa. And uh, I said at the end, who would like prayer? And an evangelist came to the front and said, I'm doing an Alpha course and I've just got a few people on it. I honestly wanted, my prayer was that a hundred would go on it. But I've just got a few. I said, come on, we're going to pray now for this mountain we're going to pray for 100 people you know he contacted me a little while later he said Colin 100 people have now signed up for the Alpha course you see God wants to change things he wants to change cynicism he wants to change failure to faith God can do it so the fourth thing quickly I think I'm going to get told off by Tim if I moving on just a couple more things you see it's the intensity of the presence of God that changed things God there you know I talked to a lady years and years ago who got converted in the Pentecostal revival that happened in Liverpool the near the uh, turn of the First World War and um, I said to her what was it like you can see this was a long time ago and I am getting old so she was old at the time when I was young so that's you know we bridged almost a century between us and uh, she said this Colin there was a tent and there was some healing evangelists called the Jeffries brothers and she said when you went out your house she said suddenly you were overwhelmed by this presence it's like a thick cloud she said it was like tangibly felt as you walked down towards the tent hundreds were swept into the kingdom of God because God's presence was so real it's the Acts of the Apostles I've got some lovely friends on our road some Muslim people other nationalities you know and I'm thinking how are they going to be changed you know what I pray now God may your presence come May your presence come on my road in such a way, in such a way that overwhelms people. Wesley writes this, who started the Methodist Church. He was with some other guys, George Whitfield was one of them, and his brother. 
it says this, about three in the morning, as we were continuing instant in prayer, the power of God came mightily upon us, insomuch that many cried out for exceeding joy, many fell to the ground, and as soon as we recovered a little from the awe and the amazement of the presence of the almighty majesty God, we broke out in one voice. We praise thee, O God, we acknowledge thee to be the Lord. You know, as God swept into this little group of people, revival hit the whole of the United Kingdom and over into the east coast of America. Three in the morning. Presence of God. Fifth, crowds came. <laughs> you know, when this happens... And when it happens here in Gorton, you know they'll come from the Peak District and they'll come from Lancashire and they'll come from Wales. Some will even fly in. You see, when God moves, everybody moves. When God moves, the nations move. When God's presence there, there is a hunger for the living God. Crowds came for the villagers, even to get into the shadow of the people of God. One of my favourite things from Isaiah says this, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be the greatest mountain. That's the church. It's a picture of the church. And it says, people will flock to it. This little story is a kind of micro of the end times. God is on the move. And so, six, revival is on our doorstep. Revival is on our doorstep. One person meeting the living God changed a nation, started movements. Jonathan Edwards, my final quote, great revivalists in the States says this, we have reason from scripture to suppose that at the commencement of the last and greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God that is to come <laughs> in the latter ages of the world, the manner of the world will be extraordinary, sorry about the quaint English <laughs> many centuries ago, and such has never been yet seen before so there will be an occasion to say as Isaiah saw it years before Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. Boy, do we not see with wars and plagues and persecution and difficulty uh, all in the nations of the world now. It's It's as black as it ever can be. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All the nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to your agents. That's what Jonathan Edwards is saying. The scripture says it in the last days there will be such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that even what happened in Jerusalem will pale into insignificant. Even what happened in the Welsh revival would pale into insignificant. Even what happened in the Methodist revival would pale into insignificance to the great and glorious day as God appears that's my prayer that's my prayer that's what we get from looking at a few verses